Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Yeah, that's right. MyPillow.com, code word REBEL, gets you a big fat discount on a four-pack of pillows. I love my pillow. It, it is all the hype. I'm not kidding. The Atomic Mom loves it. My kids love it. You're going to love it too. MyPillow.com, code word REBEL. We got a fun broadcast for you in store today, Rebels. Joel and Nina Schmidgall join us. And I got to say, I like it when couples come on the program. It's nice to see the back and forth between husbands and wives. And to me, it feels like a little peek behind the scenes. Today is a great one. We're talking about prayer and marriage. And I got to tell you, as Laura and I travel around, we hear time and time again, the couples want to pray together. They just don't know where to start. Or one of them feels a little bit insecure about it. Or what about when you're fighting? I mean, deep down inside, we know this is the time to keep praying, but hurt feelings can get in the way. And Joel and Nina have so much great help and easy advice, stuff that you can put into practice right now. So listen in for help in your prayer life and your marriage on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? We've got Nina and Joel Schmidgall on the program today talking about praying circles around your marriage. You're in Washington, D.C. Uh, I love D.C. So I do really I. Do. I love it. One of my Come favorite on. cities on we the planet. We love it, too. Yeah, I want to live there. Yeah, we want to do that. Do a, a stint maybe in a summer. That's the crazy thing. Our son is 12, and so we were thinking about like moving, and it was like, oh, yeah, you don't want to move, so maybe we'll spend a summer in D.C., like 2020 yeah. kind of thing. That would be our dream. I had a hard time making friends. It seemed a little transient until we got really plugged into our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people were coming for a cause or a crisis, and then once one yeah. of those things was over, they were off into the next thing, you know, career builders. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're at, tell me what church you're at again. It's National Community Church, oh, and yes. it's interesting you say that because, you know, a lot of the narrative at our church is people show up mm-hmm. ready to change the world. They're ready to crush it. They're ready to, mm-hmm. to go get it. And six months in, there's this period of disillusionment. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times it's not till then that kind of the church understanding kicks in and, okay, I can have purpose and I can kind of find my way and identity but it's a different path than I thought. So we're kind of catching people on that second wave often. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, you I were t- about the loneliness piece too. I mean, I think so many people in the city um, are coming and actually doing really, really incredible things, but it can be a very uh, lonely place. And so, um, yeah, I think that's one, one of the hearts that we have at the church is just to provide a sense of family and community and connection where people can really encounter the Lord. And, and then, you know, really grounded in the work that they are feeling called to do. Definitely. Do you see that really a lot with couples? Like them feeling disconnected and loneliness, just alone, just trying to find a place to fit in? City, I mean, Nina actually says this. She says, it's kind of like when you go to college, and I don't know if you guys experience this, but you go there and everyone is from somewhere else. That's kind of D.C. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, again, you know, couples come, and, yeah, you don't have family there. You don't have mm-hmm. friends, but that's mm-hmm. where – Mm-hmm. Um, or national community church. So the community <laughs> yeah. is really the key uh, to who we are uh, yeah. because you do find family away from home. And, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That I is worked. the gift that really they, they, 
there really is a sense of family because so many people are away from their family. Yeah. There is like right. a really connected community. I mean, that, that is one of the gifts that it offers, I think. you know. Mm-hmm. I started plugging into my church so much. We, I worked for the Family Research Council, and a lot of what we were doing at the time was reactionary. You know, Congress or, would do something, and then we would write papers, we would have positions, we would, you know, talk on the news. And there were so many times where you'd be fervently, just feverishly working through the night on an issue on a paper, and then it would skip the news cycle, and you'd come the next day and be like, no, 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 don't worry about that. We're going to move on to the next thing. Oh, and I would man. just think like, I need to finish something. You have to let me complete. Right. I need yeah. a completion. I need closure. Yeah. I need I need something more. And I realized I was never going to find it in that job at the time. I had to find it somewhere else. And that's where the church really stepped in. And mm. I got on a team and I was helping, you know, do the screen with lyrics with worship. And I felt like I was a part of something that continued on. It wasn't just hurry up and then nah, it's no big deal. You know, move to the <laughs> next thing. How did you, can I ask you, how do you view your time in DC? Because your story of, intense, mm-hmm. a lot of hours. That's that's the story of a lot of people. And so sometimes it's, you go through a full year here and you're like, what just happened? I, I don't even remember what happened this. So I'd be interested in how do you look back in your time? I thought I wanted to be president. I had literally written a script out of all the things I needed to do to accomplish to become president by X year. Um, wow. Local <laughs> politics, moving on to state politics, city politics, state, national, and I burnt out so bad and I'll tell you what it did. It pointed me straight towards Jesus. I just realized that the plans of man seem like silliness to the Lord, you know, that all this power that we think we have and this power that we wield, uh, that the thing that was changing lives for real was Jesus. And I care about voting. I think we should be politically active. I think uh, we should know what's going on in the White mm-hmm. House. We should know what's going on in, in Congress and the Senate. And if people believe in Jesus, if they know Jesus in their heart, if they truly know that, I don't really care about anything else. You know, mm-hmm. I think you'll probably do the right thing, uh, regardless of where you started, if you know the Lord truly. And that just became my just my mission, my calling, my goal is to talk about Jesus as much as humanly possible in all areas. Yep. Wow. And you asked a question earlier just about in terms of couples or in marriages. And, you know, I would imagine that this is the case just, you know, nationwide that more and more, you know, couples are coming into marriage with just very strong visions and giftings. And, and we experience that very, very much in DC that the couples that we are walking with and investing in, they have each really come to their to the marriage with just individual callings and have been really walking trying to pursue what they believe lord's put on their heart and either there's a lot of fear to enter into marriage because mm-hmm. I, I, what if i'm turning my back on what you know god's telling you to do this telling me then it can't can't be possible or thinking or they get into the marriage and start pulling against one another sometimes mm-hmm. for for false reasons like you mentioned either aspirations that i'm going to do this or be this mm-hmm. um or really pure reasons. God has, has told me forever that I was to do this or to do that and can really start pulling against each other. And so we walk quite often either in the marriage preparation process or with couples that at some point in their marriage, and if it doesn't come up right away when they get married, it comes up when they start having kids. And now sacrifices are starting to have to make on one, you know, one spouse or the other or, or both. And, and then maybe resentments are feeling. And so 
one of our biggest hearts and passions are helping couples just like you did in your own vision, mm-hmm. like expand, zoom out and ask the Lord, like, what is it that you're asking us to do? And us be- to do. yes, us, us to do and believing that what if he actually could give you a vision and a purpose and a calling together mm. that's bigger or more powerful or unique than you ever could have done individually. Um, yeah. And when couples start dreaming of that, wow, it's that you can just see the unity build and you can see the, so to answer your question. Yeah. And, and we do navigate that quite a bit. And that is a, a, something that for sure, you know, marriages in this area, you know, walk through, but I think it's something that that marriage is everywhere experiencing. Yeah, you know for what? sure. That makes me think of something. I want to ask you where the circle maker legend came from, but I've been, here's what I see. I, I see the media especially to women today, talking about creating these young, independent, go-getting women. And there's this really big focus on independence, doing it on your own. You don't need anybody else. Uh, You don't want anybody else. And then there's this natural inclination to be in a relationship. And yet you're told you should be independent. Don't rely on someone. Don't trust anybody. You know, you could get left. And I think, sure, you can do it on your own. I was talking to all these moms yesterday and I'm reading the book, the Bobsy twins to my seven year old daughter. And I think this is like thirties or forties and (laughs) it's crazy. Oh my goodness. It's the very first story is about a little girl that almost dies and passes out from jumping rope too much. And Mm. her dad was so concerned because he had heard of other girls who had died from too much rope jumping. And I was like, whoa, Lucy, this is not true. This is never going to happen. And <laughs> and so it was a wake-up call that there was a time in our history where women were told, you can't compete. You can't do things. You are the weaker, fairer sex. Yeah. That doesn't exist in my world anymore. I'm a big CrossFitter. And I mean, the women in CrossFit are the most amazing, powerful, strong, athletic. You have never seen power like you see in these women. They follow their dreams. They're ambitious. They're amazing. And I think you can do anything. You can do anything on your own, but don't you want help? Isn't it nicer with someone? Isn't it better with support, with a connection, with a foundation? So can you talk a little bit about that when you've got these couples that feel like, oh, we're being pulled in these different directions? How can you pray this joint vision to where it becomes you and your spouse against the problem, you and your spouse against the world, not you against your spouse? Yeah. Well, I can start. Um, I think you hit on some. I'm fascinated in this question and the concept because when I, I guess, zoom out and just think about our country and pray over our country and as a pastor work with people in our country, I actually think independence, we put that at the height (laughs) of achievement and success. Mm -hmm. You know, and think about it, maybe in other countries it would be status, right? Like your position or power or honor. honor. I think in in the US it's actually independence. The Mm -hmm. greatest job in the world is not the one that makes the most money, it's when you don't have to answer to anybody. Yeah. Right? You set your own schedule. Nobody's telling you what to do. That is the height of achievement in our country. And so I think what you're talking about is not just a new thing. That's something that's been over time. Now, Mm. with women, I think what we can acknowledge is that there's a genuine, authentic, good thing that is underlying in, in that concept, which is 
you know, I think over time, maybe some women have been suppressed or haven't been allowed to step into the, the image that God created them to be. And so there's this encouragement to strive towards that. Now, the difference between independence and uniqueness maybe is a good, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's good the perfect way to look yeah. at it. But, yeah, uh, yeah but the type of distinction where we say, well, independence is just separate from everyone versus yeah. inter- interdependence. Yeah. But unique is being fully you. And I think you can be unique and unified in a marriage. Amen. So, yeah. So when we talk about vision yeah. in the book, there is an element of who I am and who Nina is. But when we come together, we believe that God gives us a unified vision that leads to a purpose. And so there's an element of of dying to some things to ourself. But division is just two visions. That's all it is. Yeah. When we have division in our relationship, it's that we both have two different ideas or mm. two visions. And so we've got to let the, the die, the division go. And when you lay things down and come to God through prayer, mm-hmm. that's what allows the things that kill us to die and the things that bring us life to come about. I don't oh, know. Maybe you just said that perfectly. Hmm. Oh, I love it. Just well, like, and I've, a friend said to me recently was talking about what I've just, I've been thinking of this imagery again and again over the past like six months that part of persistence in prayer, because sometimes when we come to something, we have if it, either it's a hard decision or a, a difficult thing going on in our lives. And we have all these muddled feelings and thoughts and, you know, and when you have persistence in prayer, the things of the Lord rise to the surface mm-hmm. and the things that aren't of him fall away. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when I feel all of that, I just try to persist in prayer to raise it again and again and to keep lifting it to him and trust that in time, God, would you have the things that are of you rise up and the things that mm-hmm. aren't of you fall away. And so I think that happens in our um, in our marriages, too. And when, a lot of times when people talk, when they think like, oh, vision is a, you know, it's a mission statement. It's something, you know, right. it's not talking about. And in fact, you guys would know in your own marriage, that clarity actually comes over time, right? It's revealed yep. over time in prayer. Mm-hmm. And I want to be honest, just as the female in the relationship, that it's not always been easier, perfect or clear. And there was a time not too long ago, probably that, and I actually talk about this Mm. in the dance circle, which that chapter is about how do we lean into each other and shift our weight against each other? Like you do in dance sometimes Mm. at different times in your relationship, you know, to really position, what if you could pray to position your spouse for God to use them in the greatest way that he intends. And sometimes Mm. that includes sacrifice. And in that chapter, I talk about that there have been times in our marriage that, you know, I left my work working for Congress. I've been incredibly blessed to come alongside of families at the church. I had a similar story to yours that I was working on behalf of families through our Congress. And I started to get a vision for what if I could just take that in a micro scale and actually be working on behalf of supporting families to be intentional about faith in the home, you know, doing that intentionally and through the local church, which I've had the the opportunity to do. But there have been times when I thought, particularly when the people that I worked alongside with now are in very influential positions, doing all sorts of incredible things where I think, did I lay too much down? Like, did I lay down for our kids or for you and your calling in pastoral ministry? And the greatest gift that Joel gave me was one freedom to wrestle. Mm, yeah. Um, the conviction that he communicated that he did, you know, he said to me, I am called to position you for, for the Lord's to use you in the greatest way. So let's, mm 
persist in prayer to figure out what that mm. looks like. Wow. And, and actually the comfort that that brought, just him saying that, it brought such a comfort that it, a lot of the wrestle fell away. And then it's you validation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. validation. We want our feelings to be validated. I don't need my feelings to be told. I'm, you know, when someone tells me my feelings are wrong, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like I'm still feeling this way, whether it comes from a good place or a bad place, still feeling this way. And for someone to say, wow, totally. I understand that you're feeling that way. Awesome. Let's, let's lean into that. Let's plug into that. I was looking at my mom and her career and thinking about that. And I think something that we forget when we're, especially when we're younger is that you don't have to have everything right now, but it feels like, well, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And you know, my mom was a teacher and, uh, she put my dad through grad school and then he wanted to go to med school. And she said, I'm tired of working, forget it, you know, get a job. And he started working and she stayed home with us. And in my senior year of high school, she took on the role of National Day of Prayer and then did that for 25 years. Yeah. That's a long career, 25 <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. She yeah. took it from a tiny little organization with a part-time employee to uh, a virtually $10 million a year organization over 25 years. They had thousands of events around the country. They were meeting in the White House regularly. Presidents were coming. I mean, it was amazing when they honored her at her 25th anniversary, I just thought, my mm. goodness. I mean, mm. you were there for me every single day of my formative years. Every single day. I can name a million things yeah. my mom taught me that shaped me into the man that I am. I mean, how to fold clothes, iron clothes, clean a house, you know, do laundry, cook. cook. <laughs> I cook today. I worked in restaurants because my mom taught me to cook. All these things she taught me and then had a 25-year phenomenal career. I just thought, that, she is amazing. She's had multiple seasons of all these things, but I understood that. I understand when I was younger, it was like, I got to do it now. I've got to do it right. This It's never going to happen if I don't do it now. The world's going to pass me by. And that validation of feelings of, I understand that feeling. It's such a natural feeling to, to watch your friends start rising and rising and rising. You're like, I could have been there. I could have, I was smarter than that person. I was better than those guys. Well, and I like what you said about will, the willingness to struggle, the willingness to struggle through in your, in finding your vision and the dance you're talking about. I think that allows people to have space in between your marriage and in your vision together. Because if you're not going to allow each other to struggle, then what, you know, yeah. I mean, many people struggle with their walk with the Lord or struggle with their career or struggle raising their children. I mean, that's just natural. I just I loved when you said that. That's perfect for mm. our listeners. And I wonder if the, you know, the grid of priorities really helps mentally. So, you know, when we think about, OK, God first, spouse next, mm -hmm. children third. And, and, that's and right that's children third I tell my kids that I love <laughs> your mom more than I love you yeah. and it drives oh, them crazy oh, tell us that you uh, love dad more than you love us right. yes <laughs> and I yep I go yes I do I love your mom more than you I'm gonna put her first every single time yeah. she's your mom and she's said, my wife the scriptures say children love your parents not parents love your children yeah. <laughs> you got it no. yeah way to go Joel so you know children third and then job or calling or whatever you want to call that fourth so when we get when we get worked up is when we actually flip those priorities yep. and we we feel like this is my calling this is more important right. than you know that's i got my grid off if i know that 
that Nina and what she has to say, even because, listen, I'm not a believer because I'm a pastor. Like I can go, I can go preach at McDonald's. You know, I can, I can do that anywhere. It doesn't change yeah. that calling to, mm. to preach the gospel. But so when I get those things out of line and I put calling above my wife, that's when we have two different visions. That's where, so when Nina comes to me with that um, statement and, and some of what she's working through, that wrestle is my, is my greater calling than my actual job. Mm. So that's where the conversation gets um, a little more. Well, and I don't want to be, you know, I know a lot of people are in this place right now and they're, they're um, and I think it could have gone another way. Many of my favorite like moms that the ones that I'm, you know, just, admire so much have just they stayed working um in their their full-time careers and their kids are incredible and they have incredible discipleship happening and I think that that could have you know that and I and I stayed working the whole time I just shifted you know out of that very demanding what I thought was a calling and so I think it could have gone different I think I could have stayed in those roles and there but the neat part I think is that the Lord, um, over time started to reveal a new vision for how he could use us. He just, he honors anytime we lay down our, ourselves and our own yeah. ambitions and our mm-hmm. own thoughts, either for our spouse, for our children, for, for whichever, mm-hmm. um, he honors it. And some new doors have been opened. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, the opportunity to, you know, we have such a passion for families and for, um, marriages. So the way that he's been able to use us in those ways and to get to do, um, ministry together, it's just a gift. And we started praying intentionally a number of years ago because our paths have been kind of like this parallel paths for more opportunities to actually do some, do things together. And the Lord has opened those doors mm-hmm. incredibly and that never could have worked the same way. And other, so, so I think it's just important to be t- like listening to the Lord, asking the things to rise up that are of him and then listening to your spouse and really, um, really trying to have a heart that is committed to God's best in and through them. Mm. Yeah. So is that so I'm just thinking of people that are just getting started or maybe they've gotten off their path. Is that what you would suggest for them to start? Just yeah. like where would someone What's begin? a good jumping off What's place a good for jumping off? praying together? Yeah. Mm. Being intentional yeah. about it. Well, I just, I mean, we laugh about this because I think I'm like, it'll be so funny if people imagine that we have this like on our knees, extended like (laughs) prayer life together all the time. The reality is we are probably more intentional in prayer individually for one another than Mm. we are always. It's not always together side by side, kneeling at the side of our beds, but we are both very, very committed to persistent prayer for one another. And so, um, and the great thing about that is that your spouse doesn't necessarily have to be on board. Right. And so I would say just to begin, um, and you know, the idea of circling the whole book, praying circles, that, that whole idea is about intentionality and prayer. What, you know, we always, we say that bold prayers honor God. So start Mm -hmm. to, to maybe Mm -hmm. claim a prayer or two, either over a conflict area in your marriage or, or, um, for vision and clarity about how he would use you or whatever that looks like and claim it for in prayer intentionality and just persist in prayer over it. Mm. Um, that's really, I think what we're encouraging couples to do, um, versus a formula of exactly what that looks like or when that looks yeah. like. And I, could I just add one thing there? Yeah. Just this simple idea that consistency beats intensity. Mm. Consistency eats intensity for lunch. I mean, however you want to say it. Yeah. So, 
just the little touch points. So for us early on in marriage, it was literally a circle around our house. We would do a prayer circle. We'd take a walk. That's what it was. We would walk around our block and we'd keep walking if we needed to keep walking, but we would walk and talk and pray. And, and just real quick, the idea that, you know, credit cards, let's go there for a second. So, you know, who's the greatest enemy of credit card companies? the customer. It's the customer who pays on time. Yeah. <laughs> when you pay on time, they can't kick in the interest. Mm-hmm. If you pay that, you know, you got a thousand dollar bill and you pay the $72 minimum fee, then we learn this concept, compound interest, right? Yes. And so Very you don't quickly. just have a thousand dollar bill, you have an $8,000 bill. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. I've never, yes. I, I never knew that. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, you guys, when yeah. <laughs> when you don't have regular prayer touch points, mm. you're paying the minimum. Mm. And the reality is, if you pay the minimum, you're going to pay the maximum. You're yes. going to pay it at some point, and it's yeah. going to be way more of a cost than if you get together consistently and just mm-hmm. you do a 15-minute prayer circle together where you're just praying. Man, that's wow. Awesome. Hey, for those that don't know, talk about the circles. Where did this come from? Yeah. Uh, where is that imagery and that idea? Yeah. Uh, well, Honey the Circle Maker, it's this old legend uh, in the Talmud. And and it's this this ancient figure who, you know, they're in the midst of Israel has this, this great depression and there's no rain that's coming down. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's figuring out what to do. How do we, how do we cultivate our crops? And so Honey says... I am going to draw a circle around myself and I will seek God and pray and resolve until the Lord might come and meet us and send rain. And so he does this. And it's this prayer of resolve. And this this and Nina was talking about it earlier, this simple concept of resolve or this old word. I don't know if you guys would have heard this word in the church world a long time ago, but to tarry. Yeah, to tarry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Or to wrestle. It's it's Jacob when he wrestles with God and he says, I don't let go until I receive your blessing. That's kind of what's happening with Honey and the Circle Maker. It's not some magical formula. Yeah. yeah. It's not incantation. If you do this, then you will get this. Like it's a cosmic Santa Claus who just gives us what we want. No, it's, it's showing God. The scriptures say, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. It's showing God the deep resolve. And uh, when we do this for our greatest, most sacred relationship, God shows up. Mm-hmm. He answers, maybe in different ways than you asked for even, but he yeah. will show up. And we've seen that in our own marriage and other marriages I mean, he, too. He wants to be, he wants to show us that he's the hero in our story. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it isn't a, it's not a, a magic formula. I pick one prayer and persist in it and whatever. It's that give God the chance to show mm-hmm. you um, that he That's wants good. to be the hero in your life and your marriage and. Yeah. And the, the Circle Maker was written by Mark Batterson, who we have, you know, pastored alongside of at National Community Church yeah. for um, a couple of decades now. And it has changed. I mean, the stories that have come mm. in millions of lives of folks um, sharing how when they began to see God in this intentional way of the things that, that happened from that. And so, you know, this book is about, well, you know, what more important place to offer to bring those bold prayers than into our most sacred relationship on this mm-hmm. earth. And that's our marriage. And, and we know, you know, that marriages are suffering. And yes, we huh. came to the project from the place that 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 is becoming more and more of our work in ministry yeah. is 
either fear of marriage with young adults or singles that are just like, I don't know if I'm interested Mm -hmm. or people step into marriage and are facing real crisis and pain or even further in marriage where, you know, I mean, one of my biggest prayers has been against what I call fissures in marriage, the little cracks that start early in marriage that you just kind of deal with and, you know, overcome and then over time, you know, 20 years into marriage are just chasms. Chasms. Yeah. We call them little foxes that get in there. What do you call them? Little foxes that get in there and start just eating Uh, away, eating away. (laughs) And you can sustain it and deal with it and ignore it and be like, okay, well, I don't like when he does that or whatever. And then, but you don't do the healing work on it. And then years and years later, it's disastrous. And so I think we're just Mm. thinking if, you know, yeah. So anything, our hope is that that kind of intentionality and healthy marriage you know, really inviting God to be the hero in that sacred yeah. relationship is is going to pay dividends. I think it also reminds us who the hero is in our relationship, who yeah. the hero is in our marriage. You know, it's it's telling each other, hey, you know what? I can't do this and you can't do this either, but God can do this. He can work a miracle. He can take away anger. He can get rid of the porn. He can smooth over and and repair an infidelity. You know, he can do anything because he's the creator of all things. Through him, all things are held together. Our marriage marriage, the world, the universe, everything. And it's a great reminder in prayer saying, I don't have it. I really don't have it. I've tried, but I don't have it. And Lord, you can do this. And it's that fervency of saying, I'm reminding myself every day, you are in control. You are all powerful. Amen. Mm. Preach. Good. I love it. I read, I literally this morning, I heard this research that, that said, in the first year or two of marriage is when the greatest issues happen. But couples will not address those until year seven. Oh. And so we have, you know, five to six years where we just allow things to build up. And then I saw that divorce rate is highest um, in empty nesters. Empty yeah. nesters, yep. yeah. Yep, totally. You know, to that concept of flipping our priorities, I yep. guess, that we put the kids ahead of the spouse mm-hmm. yeah. and focus on the wrong things. And then when, when we the finally- kids leave the home, it's like, I don't know who you are. I don't really like you anymore. I'm not sure I want to be in this kind of thing. I'll tell you the other, this we, interesting thing. Yeah, the new facts. And uh, Shanti Feldhan has a book called The Good News About Marriage. And she is, I love her. She is so nerdy. She does so much deep dives into data. I tell her that. She's the best. But we have been using this fact and figure amongst Christendom and throughout saying that first marriages have a 50% divorce rate. Second marriages have 75%. And it's not true. But I was thinking about that. If you tell a bunch of young people, you tell a bunch of millennials, flip of the coin, if you get married, whether you're going to get divorced or not, why get married? That's a big risk. First marriages have about a 25% failure rate. They have a 75% success rate. 75% of first marriages are still together. That's a huge number. Second marriages, it's around 30%. It's not as bad. And when you start thinking about that, when you tell kids, hey, no, 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 you've got a much, much higher chance. You know, when her book, The Kindness Challenge, if you choose to not let those early things go five, 10, you know, years, they're so much easier to deal with. And that's, I mean, we were telling the, the women yesterday mm-hmm. at Mops, if you get oil changes in your car, then you should be going to marriage counseling. It's preventative mm-hmm. maintenance. Don't Good. wait till it's yeah. too late. Go early. It's like a coach or a trainer. I was 
50 pounds overweight a decade ago. I'm looking for that photo. You know, the decade challenge that's going on on Instagram. I have a 10-year-old picture of me with a big, fat muffin top. I'm like a a barrel. I'm overweight. I got a big, fat head. I had a shaved head. I have a big, round, fat head. I lost 50 pounds. How did I do it? Just by wishing and hoping it would happen? No. I got a trainer, by the way, who's a female, who outlifts me every day of the week. I'll never be as strong as she is. She was doing CrossFit workouts in her ninth month of pregnancy. I mean, talk about power and strength. Her husband is a beast. Oh, my goodness. Dangerous Dan. But... She kicked my tail all over our block, up and down our street, all through my cul-de-sac, going through the weight thing, and I lost 50 pounds. It took time. It took perseverance, but it didn't happen on its own. I got a trainer, and that's why we get counselors to dig into our lives to go, you know what? You need help with this. I tell you the one I'm dealing with now is... I was working with a person. I took him to his first AA meeting and I was talking about when he started drinking hard for the first time. And it was so understandable, the turmoil and the stress and the heartache and the pain that he was going through. It was like, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. So now when you go back to your counselor, talk to them about that time in your life and how at that young of an age, you had no tools, no skills to deal with that much stress, pressure, death, destruction around you, and the only coping mechanism that helped at the time was alcohol. That's super understandable, but let's learn how to process those past emotions so that you don't have to dive into that again today. That's what a trainer does for your emotional and spiritual yeah. well-being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're speaking exactly what the support circle is exactly what you're saying. It's the yeah. idea that you, uh, yeah. you have, you have got to invite outside voices and those can be friendships and community. You know, the great part about marriage community is it normalizes because your voice will run ahead with like, you know, this issue in your marriage of being like, well, this is, and then you realize, oh, other couples are wrestling through what it's like mm-hmm. to have the first kid or whatever it is, or <laughs> the career, the career pressures or so, it, but then beyond that is what you're talking about is expert support, right? Yeah. Counselors, pastoral support, pastoral like, counselors. Yes. Please, yes. Mm-hmm. Please. Um, we, we really do hope that I think you're just onto something that probably the best leaps and bounds any of us make in our lives, whether it's with fitness or health professionally. And then in our marriages is when we invite kind of outside counsel and expertise. And some of that mm-hmm. can come through reading resources. We hope maybe like this yes. book, but some of that has to be, you know, really through, you know, maybe more intentional investment through counseling or through outside support. So I'm so glad you said that because we think that is, that's so true. You yeah, know, we that, think it's key to kind of succession. Mm-hmm. We yeah. think it's key to succeeding and it's just having a third party, just hearing someone else's voice and allowing other people to speak into your marriage to get mm-hmm. the help that you need. Because yeah. we have blinders. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see things the way I see it. He's going to see things the way he sees it. And then that's what we were talking about earlier. The division comes in. We have two visions going on when... When actually sometimes in a third party, you can see like, oh, well, wait, maybe our visions are more aligned than we actually thought. Maybe we are more one accord than we were believing to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, just the simple idea that we need more reminders than revelations. Yeah. And most of us know what we need to do, you know, and we've had a revelation and we just don't do it. You know, you don't 
would you have lost the 50 pounds if you didn't have the trainers showing up at your door and yeah. beating your beating your butt? Oh, you no, know? my revelation was going to the hospital almost dying. The doctor's <laughs> okay. telling me I was right. 24 hours from a coma and I was just killing myself by eating junk and not taking care of my body, not going to the doctor. And I had three doctors yell at me in the ER. It was fantastic. They all yelled at me. I was like... Aren't you supposed yeah. to be nice to me? I'm sick. Right. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That probably started in DC, didn't it? It's our fault. That's it, Joel. There was a lot of stress. It's true. You <laughs> know what? It's so amazing. But they also what you talked about having other couples in your life and having third parties, it did normalize it. It was, hey, you know what? Lots and lots and lots of people go through these. Exa- You're not a unicorn. You're not special. Yeah. Lots of people go through this. This is really, really normal. And a lot of people have overcome these things as well, whether it's porn or alcoholism yeah. or drug addiction or being overweight or being angry or whatever those things are. Lots of people have gone through that. And if you don't hide it, if you get a third party, if you get a good support circle, we can all go through these things together. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. good. Man, you guys rule. Thanks I'm so happy. Uh, it's been great. Uh, nice. Thank you yeah. so much. Good. And next we time we're in DC, we, we want to have coffee with you guys. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Okay. That would be fun. We were. Ju- I was just saying, we would love to hang out with you guys. Like <laughs> I know. Fun to hang out with, so. That'd be great. Definitely. Thank you guys so much. We'd love to have you back on again soon. Yeah, thank us. you. Awesome. Thanks. You guys have a great day. Thank okay. you. See you guys. Special thanks to Joel and Nita. What a fun couple. Man, we had such a good time talking to them. Laura and I have used so many of their tips. We got their book, Praying Circles Around Your Marriage, and we've been putting it to work in our lives, and it's really making a difference. Thanks to our sponsor, MyPillow, MyPillow.com, code word REBEL, for a big deal on a four-pack of pillows. Thanks so much for listening, Rebels. Share this with your friends, and we'll see you next time. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.